trust is so important for the flow of information. So when we speak about dynamic capabilities, I think we speak about how fast are you able to take in new information and react to that information and create basically new system based on that. Hey there, and welcome to Leadership Sprouts podcast. Today, we talk about dynamic capabilities, the ability of an organization to stay fluid and adapt to new circumstances. Maybe the biggest competitive advantage you can have as an organization. Trust, transparency, flat hierarchies, and a trial and error culture is what we identified to be essential for it how we try to implement this at Trivago and which experiences we have made along the way can be listened to in this episode. Thanks for listening in. Hey, Rolf. Hi. It's, uh, it's been a long time, actually, since we recorded the last uh, podcast. I'm very excited to um, start over again in our new office this time. Yeah. Yeah, it's the first time we do it from this office, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we moved. We moved. It's uh, quite a long time ago already. And, um, and a lot of things happened, no? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of things happened. I don't know if we want to go into that uh, no. right now. No, not right, not right now. But um, maybe you can um, share, just to have, to have a conversation starter, you know, um, the best thing that happened in the last four days. The best thing that happened? In the last four days. Okay. Um, I, th I think I had multiple very good conversations in the last days. Uh, and that really excites me when I can speak to people about what I'm, what I'm passionate about. And especially when they then agree with me, you know, that's, that's, very, that's very important <laughs> for me. <laughs> and, uh, and that happened a couple of times. Uh, so that, that made me happy. Um, no, no but, but it's true that makes me happy. But, but what, what also makes me happy is actually when I learned something new um, and I really got a lot of new ideas and um, inspiration uh, that made me think again. So, uh, yeah, I really love that. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. Um, we talked about already kind of a couple of Heidi principles. We had humbleness and diversity. We had empowerment. We had intrinsic motivation. Today, we arrive at the D of uh, Heidi, which is dynamic capabilities. And um, I think like for me, when I heard it the first time, it was very abstract to me. So maybe before we dive deep into how we did it at Trivago, maybe we can give a short intro what we actually mean with dynamic capabilities. Mm -hmm. Just that, I mean, we, we didn't discuss it before, but uh, just that you mentioned it, I, I realize um, that I have a strong connection to this dynamic capabilities because um, you know that I once started to write my PhD thesis. Mm -hmm. And... Um, And the, the name of the, or the title of the thesis that was never finished was the sustainability of dynamic capabilities after the acquisition of a small company through a large company. And uh, so, so I really was researching that quite a lot in the past. And, um, and actually it's still quite, I think, quite a good thing to, to like, I think it's 
quite a good thesis still. I think back in the days it was probably better than today because there's probably a lot of stuff written about that. But, but can, I, can you publish it? Can we read it? I, first, I have to find it. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I did already quite a lot of research. I was really sitting in, in a library for a year or so and, and read everything. And then I thought it's uh, way too um, trivial to really write about it. That's why I stopped. Um, but then reading it a couple of years later, I didn't think at all it was trivial. Uh, so maybe it's worth it to get to get to get it out again. But but the idea was really that and my observation was that a lot of large companies acquire, uh, you know, young company, mm -hmm. and it and they usually acquire them because the way of how they drive innovation and on how they how they operate and so on, right? And then but then what they do is basically they push their idea of value creation uh, onto that. Under that smaller company, they introduce a lot of uh, very rigid processes and so on and so on. So the dynamic capabilities, so the ability to change, to adapt, to look at the market, create new innovative products, that goes away with all the processes that a large company puts upon a small company. Uh, so that was my thesis. That was the idea behind it. And I really wanted to prove it. And um, and yeah, and, and, and so, so I have a connection to that word. Um, actually, when we came up, Uh, with the word for, for leadership sprouts, while well, the Hardy principles, I, I didn't even think about that anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when we, I think when we discussed it more, I thought like, ah, you know. I know this from somewhere. I, I, I know this from somewhere. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, no, I, 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 generally, I really liked the concept back, back then. Um, um, and, and back then it was really a new concept. Uh, um, the way of, okay, people probably thought, okay, there's something to, to young companies that makes them uh, very competitive. And um, yeah, and people basically call it dynamic capability. So the ability to really change and adapt and so on. And I think, I think especially in an environment or in a world where we, we see constant change and, and constantly our environment becomes more complex and changes, I think it's like probably the most important thing that a company can do build up dynamic capabilities, build up the ability to constantly change with the environment and, and constantly um, take in new information and, and uh, learn and improve and uh, change the way of how you do things. Mm -hmm. Super interesting because um, I think in the last couple of episodes, we talked a lot about self-reflection, um, how a leader has to kind of take a look inside before it can he or she can change the system around her um, I feel like dynamic capabilities is now really about the system and creating a certain certain environment that allows for what you just mentioned change um, and I feel there is somehow a kind of you can adapt the one to the other somehow you know kind of understanding yourself seeing reflecting on yourself you'll be able to change and somehow this is also possible for organizations mm -hmm. um can you can you kind of maybe you have yeah. yeah experiences that you can share um mm -hmm. that go into that direction i i think i think your observation is right for me basically when when we speak about uh self-awareness and self-actualization self transcendence i think that these concepts they can be also adapted to an organization so when you're looking at um 
self-awareness, what we spoke about, like humbleness, being able to reflect on yourself and so on. I think that is something that you do to on a personal level. And that's very important because if you don't know where you stand and you know, don't, you know, don't know your biases or become more aware of your biases, you know, you have a problem with like, you know, um, understanding information and you have a problem with adapting yourself. And I think the same is true for an organization. So, so identity, and I think it's something that we will speak about in the, in the last podcast, um, the, to, to get to know your identity as an organization is a, is a very important foundation, basically. And what is what we could call self-actualization in, on a personal level, um, basically that is dynamic capabilities for an organization. So the ability to constantly change, adapt, and so on. And, and how do you create that ability? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you create an ability for a person to self-actualize? And how do you create that for an organization? I think one is important for the other. So I think um, if you want to be able as an organization to, to self-actualize, to build out dynamic capabilities, ideally you do that by empowering every single individual to self-actualize. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think that self-actualization often on an individual level is, is very important for the actualization of the organization. You know, that's why we are so much focusing on, okay, like how can we um, evolve people within an organization? How can we make them more m mature? How can we make them um, more aware of themselves and, and, and so on? Because we think that this is important. If you we, if we, if we don't develop as an, on an individual level, I think it's super, super hard, yeah? Um, I think it's one of my biggest mistakes mm -hmm. that I did. And I heard that now that we talk to a lot of founders. I, I think this is... Uh, um, a thing that we, I heard again and again when I asked founders, okay, so you created this culture, this organization, this specific way, what was basically your biggest mistake? And I often hear, um, you know, our biggest mistake, my biggest mistake was that I did not invest not enough into evolving people. Because the problem is if you just evolve the organization and you don't evolve the people, basically the organization can always fall back on mm -hmm. a lower level of dynamic capability, basically. Mm -hmm. So you, so I think it's, it's also my, my understanding that it's, it's one of my biggest mistakes. So I think you have to do both at the same time, evolve people and evolve the organization at the same time. Because also evolving an organization, usually you go from a less complex to a more complex organization. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think it's a myth to think, uh, you know, you just do things simple and then they are great. Um, so I, I, I think usually the, the world around us gets more complex. And if you want to cope up with that world, you also have to, you, your organization also naturally gets more complex. So I think, and, and, um, and, and to understand the complex organization, of course, like an organization where, where, where you, where power is not coming from the top, but where power is like, you know, maybe even like fluent. Yeah. Then, then of course, this is a more complex situation to cope with. Um, so basically, I, so I think that an, an individual which is not evolved uh, ha has no chance to, to, to understand the complex organization. Yeah. And, and especially on a, from a, from a leadership position. Yeah. I think it's that super, super difficult. So, mm -hmm. and that's why you, you can impose like a complex organization on a, on a, on, on people that are not there yet and they will follow it, but they will just follow it before because they have to. So, so at the end, I think starting with the people is probably what I what I took away from myself. Okay, really interesting because what what I hear is that you um, say that by developing people, you also see some sort of ability to cope with change, 
um, for people. And it sounds like, or it feels like when you explain it to me like this, that it gives people more security somehow, or, or it takes away a need of security because they have understood and can think through a certain situation and can cope with, um, co can cope with complexity. So would, would, would you agree to that? Is, is this why it's so important to invest into the development of people? That's probably true. So it's probably true that you can have an impact on, um, on people's ability to cope with change. Um, question is a bit of the is a bit, bit of the hand and the egg problem, right? So what what's first? Mm -hmm. And I think part of it has to be first. So I think that it's super super hard to develop people in an unsafe environment. So I think there has to be some kind of safety net for people where they feel comfortable to share. So if you have a too strong performance culture, for example, where you, or you make too much competition, basically, right? I think it's super, super hard for people to share, right? So if, you, if you're really competing always with your peers and it's always kind of like, it's like race, you know, in every single mm -hmm. situation. So I, I think there's a lot of companies who promote that as an idea of their organizational culture, where it's basically always a race of the best and so on, and they, everybody's competing. I think it's super, super hard in the, the situation to make yourself vulnerable. Um, so I think you really need a specific safety net. And I think the more, the more um, dynamic the environment is and the more dynamic your organization is, I think the more you have to invest into trust. Yeah, because because it's, it, basically it has to be always on 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 a level, right? So when when you the more you expect in terms of okay, then like like dynamic and liquidity and so on, the more you expect people to go to go from position to position to change around in the organization, the more you expect them to change their view constantly based on data and so change on. Change their roles, responsibilities. Change their right? roles, but also change their view, right? So expect yeah. them to constantly to say say some say A today and say B today tomorrow if they really think B is is better, right? And and that is already quite hard. So I think you can only expect that from people when you build a safety net for them. Mm -hmm. So 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 you need that psychological safety to be able to evolve, right? So basically you, you cannot, in, 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 if you don't have, I don't know, uh, like for an individual level, right? So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a muscle of pyramid, right? So, so, so if you don't have food and, 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 and safety, you will not be able to self-actualize, right? Mm -hmm. so, so, so I think the same is true for an organization. So you have to give everybody that safety net first. The, the question is always, and that's a big discussion, right? So how much of that safety is, is there? Because if you have too much safety, people will might feel com too comfortable in it and then they will not be able to cope with the change again. So I think, I think there is, of course, a discussion. But, 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 but my experience is when I'm, when I, for example, when I'm looking at teams and I see a dysfunctional team. So I, I see a team where at the end, the creative output is not where, where, where it could be. You know, and I, I, dive, I dive, dive deeper into that team, often I see that the, the, the core problem of everything is trust between people. So there is not the safety net because it's not the safety net. Everything else that builds on top of that, challenging, challenging each other, you know, driving like really high performance and so on, that is, that's gone basically. So you really need the safety net. 
And um, and if there's a crack already in the personal development, uh, in the personal connection between people, I think then then you have already a problem. And it's interesting also, I think we hear many times that trust is the basis of everything we do. I think I, I would even say many companies have trust as one of their core values somewhere hanging, but how did Trivago actually build up trust between each other um, within this organization? We often heard kind of it's a family-like environment. What was it that we actually um, did that that yeah created this trustful environment? I think I'm very biased probably in this this regard so maybe 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 others should speak about it than me but but i think it starts with with really respecting people in the way of how unique they are and really like having this view of like okay like everybody brings something to the table we mm, respect you in the way that you are so i think that's that's super important and then and then for me it's really I think you have to create situations where people can build up trust, right? So you cannot tell people to trust each other. You really have to create a space for people where they can trust each other. And I would not say that we always did that perfectly. So I think it has to be a, a space where people feel safe, where they feel they can connect with each other and so on. So, so and, But ideally you create that space and ideally you create also events or you create something where people do something together they they create a shared experience so i think that's super important i i found that very very inspiring i i remember you um once when we had a trivago on tour and you were standing next to me and you said see anna this is what we are creating they are now sharing this one moment together and nobody can take it away from them and and i think Why am I sharing this? I think that not many people are aware of why those events sometimes happened or, you know, kind of this intention behind where you see, no, it's, it's, this is not a benefit that we hand out to people, but it has like a true meaning and it creates what you just said, a space for people to experience something together and, and brings human connection. Yeah, I think that, that, we create connection through shared experiences mm -hmm. and and that can be experiences in in creating something together right to like in, in really in the work environment where you build something together you go through something and in the end you reach like a project that was successful right and and that's super cool but i think you can also do it on on a on, on a personal level you can also do like when you when you you know have a great time together you are on a great party together you do some stupid stuff together so I, i i think it's important to create these kind of stories of like you know create these kind of moments that connect and um because because these these moments connect people and and and, and that's super helpful then that they can can trust each other and i think that's that, that's the important glue for for any kind of com community Is, is is shared moments and and yeah the, the reason why i also said that is because and, and i think that was also important and i said nobody can take this away mm -hmm. so i i think everything can f can fade and and go away right like the the money that when you when you work somewhere the money that you make you know that's probably gone you know the 
whatever the 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 nice little things that you get or so they the the, the t-shirts or what whatsoever mm-hmm. you know that that is that's also going away so a lot of lot of your things go away or people can just take them from you you know i mean tomorrow something can happen and and you lose your job. My, I lose my job. Maybe I lose yeah. everything that I own or whatsoever, right? So yeah. everything can go away. You lose your partner whatsoever. The memories, you know, is something that we really always share, you know, and, and I, that's why I'm, I find memories so important. I find creating good, good memories is for me, also for myself and my personal life, is for me way more important than, than, than anything actually, right? So because that's something that you can always stick to. Yeah, so so we tried that. You know, I think I think that's important to it's important factor to build trust. There's probably a lot of different ones, but but that is an important factor. Yeah, yeah. and I think it, it it is quite inspiring to people hearing that because sometimes you know you hear about yes, you need to create trust, but often I think people are lacking the means on okay, how do I do this now with the people that I hired that I have in my organization? Um, so. One thing we said is uh, psychological safety that is super important to um, create this dynamic capability to or to allow for dynamic capabilities of an organization. What else? So, so think about, okay, now we have, everybody feels quite safe. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is important? I think you need the transparency of information. Because at, at, at the end, it's all about really making use of the collective mind of people, right? And, and not letting only a couple of people think, but letting everybody think. And that only works if you democratize your information that, that, that you're having in your, your organization. And I know that's always a big discussion because when people say, oh, you know, that, you know, not everybody should know everything, you know, this is kind of a secret, this is something we should not share because, you know, we, we might share it with our competition and so on. And in my experience just is that, um, that you usually overestimate basically like how much this information is worth for somebody else and, and that it's basically a very backward-oriented view on information. So, so, so I think you cannot see information as a resource anymore, where you, where you make have to shield against everybody. Um, I think it's a very important driver for these dynamic capabilities, for the ability to learn, and that's why important, why it's important. But it can only basically develop this importance for you, for your dynamic capabilities if you if you free it for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I think that is that's really interesting because um, when when you I mean we at Trivago after we went public in 2016 I think you hear a lot about SOX being SOX compliant and so on so you have these standards and and SOX is basically also very much focused on making sure that your information is secure right so that that basically not, your competition cannot get your information because the idea is the moment where you lose your knowledge, you basically use, lose your competitive advantage. And I think that's very interesting because I think it's the opposite. Because what I've experienced is rather that due to the fact that you kind of crystallize knowledge, so basically you make it more restrictive, you, you, you make it less fluent and so on, 
that's basically the reason why you lose lose your competitive advantage, not not because you lose the information. So 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 SOC still has a resource view on information. They still think, okay, information is important. And uh, and it's it should be unique to your company in the moment where it's public. Basically, this you know you you have a problem, you know. And 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 I think that the, the the problem arises from that people cannot work with that information anymore, that they cannot develop further, mm-hmm. that they cannot constantly use it because information is constantly outdated. We don't live in a world anymore where information basically is something special. You know, information usually. Like what the information that I have, somebody else can easily have, and so on, and I cannot even pr- prevent it from happening. So, so it's not anymore com- competitive advantage. It's not anymore knowledge. It's really like the question: What do you do with the knowledge? How yeah. fast are you in adapting the knowledge? Right. So, and and that, but that is unfortunately that the system that we're operating in, they don't look at that like like you know at it like that. So they already think, oh, we are very very advanced because we see knowledge as a resource. <laughs> no, actually you should see your ability to work with knowledge. That's a resource much more than the knowledge itself. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's the same like when you're looking at, I mean, when you're looking at students or so, right? There, there, there we understand it. We understand that when children, at least most of us understand that when you have, a, um, have children, you know, that's not so much about what they know, but the ability of how, what they do with, with that. Right, and the same I think is true for a company. Yeah, we uh, we yeah, it's crystallized knowledge and fluid knowledge, right? Um, how do you deal with um, new information? How do you put it into your system? Yeah, that's that's very very um, similar to that. I also, I mean, there's often an, I think, or two topics there um, about transparency and uh, communication within and outside of an organization. One, what you just mentioned is that. There's always the fear that people would leak important information. And I don't know, was it, I think last week we also talked about it um, in our session with Philip and Waldemar about it, that we tend to focus so much on the few people that might leak this information. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we hold back information. We hold back the opportunity to be entrepreneurial from all the people who would never, you know, give out this information. Mm-hmm. So I think this is one tendency where we are standing in our ways because we focus too much on the, on the on, risk yeah. on the risk, and not and, on the opportunity. Yes. And, 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 and this kind of a, like, like tendency towards, towards risk versus opportunity, right? That is more and more dangerous in the moment where we have like a, a world that just runs away from us all the time, you mm-hmm. know. So, 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 so I think it's totally fine if you are living in a static world, you know. And then, you know, probably the risk versus opportunity ratio is very different. But, but right now in the world that constantly develops and moves forward, I, I think that just changes, and um, and 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 we have not adapted basically to to that enough. So we 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 don't go to uh, to an, enough into the opportunity direction, and we we always see the the risk of somebody exploiting us. Yeah, and and focus a lot on that. And that's all. It's of course always you know like 
the easy thing to do. It's like um, focusing on cost instead of revenue, right? Yeah. So you have this kind of like duality of things and, 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 and then the, the revenue have always some kind of volatility in it. Uh, it's never sure that they're coming. What you know, you, it's really hard to 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 invest into the upside because there's some some kind of insecurity about like what's happening, right? And for that, basically, we 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 think it's way easier to focus on the cost side. So when 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 something like Corona happens, you know, people have a tendency to instead of seeing the opportunity of it, first seeing the risk. So everybody is cutting, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody is cutting costs. Everybody is probably under leveraging themselves so while they could potentially make much more money with investing they're taking money back and they focus on the cost and why do they do that because it's so much easier yeah you know it's just it's just so much easier to cut costs and to 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 um to move in the revenue direction right and this is it's the same thing it's so much easier to look at the few people who exploit you the few people who might not work, although you give them freedom, the few people who might share information instead of not sharing information. That's so much easier than focusing on the rest. It's because because it's visible. Because the other thing is invisible. It's something that you cannot touch. You cannot see the whole time. But you know, if something goes wrong, mm-hmm. that's what you immediately see. Yeah. I, I, I think I think that's also so important that you it, that you find methods basically in your in your company where you can make the opportunity transparent. You know, it, it's it's maybe another topic that we shouldn't so much touch, touch today, but but that's very important. You know, because the, the problem is always that we we do not have enough visibility on the opportunity. Yeah, and because of that, we focus naturally way too much on on the. I think it's I think it's quite relevant to dynamic capabilities because this tendency keeps us um away from actually creating a dynamic environment because it always you know pulls us in the direction into a static environment because it somehow gives us the impression that we have control over something or mm-hmm. we can tick boxes I did something mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. here is the cost I, I here's the yeah. We the, have now the, another the, water supplier, and instead of, <laughs> instead of I don't know one euro fifty, it costs now uh, one euro thirty five a bottle, and we save ten percent. Yeah, nation. exactly. Yes. But you have it, you know, black black on white on your paper. You can show it to somebody. You can take off something. Um, yeah, that's super interesting. Another point on transparency and communication, and I think especially relevant for a leader, is um, always this balance between. How much information do I share? Should I be sharing? Shouldn't I be sharing? I mean, I can just speak out of my experiences that I I remember being in a position where often I had a lot of transparency on things. I myself had a lot of transparency on things. And then I felt very insecure in how much of this transparency I should pass on to, to the team or not also thinking about do i rather create insecurity with that or not and i think a lot of leaders might find themselves um in in this um position How, what what is your advice on this mm. I, i i think first of all I, i think it's it's I think it would be wrong to take the struggle away because generally the struggle with yourself there is probably important because, or at least I saw that as well. Um, and and it's 
every time you go through a change process, you you have this happening, right? So some people tell you, you shared it early, uh, not early enough. Some people tell you, you, sh you shared it too uh, early, too early <laughs> right? You made, and it's every time it's happening. So I think it's a big struggle and it's it's also a big optimization problem, you know, like like when when do you share information? So I think I would not go and say share information like right at hand about everything. So I think I think that's not true. I think what I say is like, I don't know, the standard information within a company, like like about where the business is going and so on. I think that I would be I would share very openly. Still, you know, when you do, for example, a reorganization, I think there is a reason you know, to to have a specific process in, in how you communicate things from mm -hmm. like um, through uh, through an organization. Yeah. So so communicating everything at the same time to everybody, I think that's super hard, right? Because you have maybe leaders who also lead in your team. And if they are getting the information all at the same time with people that work for them, I think that's that's very hard because they need time to to think about it, to digest it. And they are asked right away right so if something happens so I, I that's something that i learned because mm -hmm. i was also in the i was rather in the camp of people who said ah you know just be transparent uh, like and, and even in 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 these change environments and just like when you change something tell everybody but it's just unfair mm -hmm. right because there is there are people there who just have a bit more responsibility there and 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 where that people trust and if they get if you if you if you surprise them i think that is that's that's rather negative so I cannot take the struggle away and tell right away, be super transparent. Though my general kind of experience here is that usually when, when you are open to people, they, there's way more understanding and respect for your decision that you, than you might think. And I was always definitely rather on the, on the transparent side. Mm -hmm about my my own feelings about how i looked at stuff and in, interestingly you still have people who tell you you're not <laughs> <laughs> so so um and and you can speak right from your heart and put everything out there you know but because maybe because it's so unusual people will th still think that you have kind of a evil strategy yeah um but but that is something that you just have to live with right so 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 even even um uh th that i think that will always happen but uh yeah no i'm 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 definitely still on the side of being more transparent with people and and t telling them the truth and um and hoping for their for their understanding and and also you you i think you can train people in that to regard. do that yeah i think you can train people to be able to cope with with honesty I think yeah. that I think um, the trust, what we mentioned before, is a, is a big factor here as well, right? So, um, I think the moment where you have a really a trustful environment mm -hmm. and people feel a safe to open up, but also feel safe to receive yeah. delicate information. Yeah, I, I think it's always a question of the sender. Yeah. No, so, so, so it's a, it's a huge question, like who sends it to you. So if you, if you, if you don't have trust to that person i think it's super super hard um to be to be uh transparent and open because you will always kind of like you know you, you might always think there's something behind what people like you know you, you you might not just take the information as the information 
mm-hmm. you might you might ha- always have your own interpretation of it. To be sure, that always happens <laughs> with every every time with every one of us. So I'm I'm aware of that. But to the extent that it happens, that definitely is is highly correlated to the amount of trust I have to that person. Yeah, and that's why that's why trust is so important for the flow of information. So when we speak about dynamic capabilities, I think we speak about how how fast are you able to take in new information and react to that information and create basically new system based on that, right? And and that is of course highly cor- correlated with like like how do my, how much do I trust the information? Because if I do not trust the information, I will always discount it. Yeah. Right. So so when I do so so when do I do not have trust to another person, whatever information I get from that person, I will discount it uh, by the level of distrust, basically. And and um, and so and so, the, the speed of an organization is directly co- correlated with the level of trust in the organization. This is yeah. speed the speed of an, how an organization works with information, the speed of information flow. And because of this in speed of information flow, the company will generally get faster or slower. And it's crazy, right? I mean, we talk about it at, as if would be as if it would be super obvious. But then I look into so many organizations, and then they they don't even take the spoken word as an information, but they are like, "Please send me an email about this because otherwise nothing will happen." They don't have a plaque on white, you know, like they don't have a documentation of it, so they never would feel responsible for doing something. Um, so you can literally see how I can now really, really see how this trust really speeded up so many processes, mm-hmm. so many actions within the organization. Um, it's, it's crazy because you talk about it and it sounds very abstract, but once you see it, it's really a difference. It's really, really it's a difference. A huge, it's a huge difference. And and I think everybody of us can feel it if we just get sensible for it. Yeah. So I think, I think we, we not, we, we not, a lot of us do not have the sensibility of understanding, like, like seeing it. But once you see it, you cannot unsee it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You know, that's that's really the problem with it, you know. Like, and that's also my problem, you know. Like, like that I cannot go back because, like, once you saw like what happens, you know, you cannot really go back to the to the old way of doing things anymore and and just not see it anymore. Yeah, and I think just for the practical approach, I think one big thing that helped a lot to create a trust and b transparency of information. Um, was um, the Trivago Friday format, which we had so a very practical example maybe, um, which was um, a discussion round where the leadership team would be um, available for an hour discussion or longer on each Friday on um, a specific topic. In the beginning, it was, I remember, every question that you would have, you could ask. Um, and yeah, it really, really engaged people to exchange about everything that is going on within the organization. And if I would not agree to a certain, um, strategic direction, uh, an initiative that we are taking, uh, or I think we are missing out on a huge opportunity, then I could discuss it there. And either I get context, yeah, uh, I get more information or I get the opportunity or you get the opportunity as a leadership team to get more information. I think that was a very strong format um, that helped, for example, to create this transparency and communication flow. Yeah. 
I, I think though it also again is a question of like how consequent you do it, right? So I think a lot of pe- a lot of companies have these kind kind of formats, town halls, town whatever. halls, and so yeah. on. But I, I think for me, it's works. I'm very very important that everybody can just ask questions and that you cannot avoid a question. Yeah. That was always my point of view, at least. Um, <laughs> I, we had big discussions about it. Yeah? And, yeah. and people were saying, oh, we give a lot of uh, airtime to people who uh, basically with kind of negative views on things and so on. So my point on it was always that I said, hey, you know, people will have those questions and people will have those viewpoints if we listen to it or not yeah <laughs> you know and they're not going away just because we don't give it a platform yeah to speak about it openly um so so i get this kind of airtime problem you know and and even in parts it might have convinced me at, at, at one point but but i really think that you need to give people a space to to come up with a question and and even and sometimes you set up yeah but they're they're asking the question every second meeting again and again okay, then probably we had, didn't have a good answer, right? So, mm-hmm. or, or we did not have the chance to communicate to enough people. So I, I think, I think it's, it's the best thing that you can do, like, a, like anonymously ask people basically, you know, what they like and what they dislike and let them ask as long as they want and really answer again and again and again. Um, I think it's the best information that you can get and the best way of how you can work with information, right? And I mean, it's always a good sign if people ask questions. The moment they don't ask questions anymore, they are not engaged yes. anymore. You know. Yes, that, that's that's always my 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 experience. I mean, when I when we started with Truvago and we had this community and we didn't have any people working for us, but we just had a community basically who were who was like engaging with us. You know, I know that one day I think Peter, so he said, okay, like I don't get while you spend so much time with those people who are really really like very negative, you know? So why do you spend all this time with these people who are so negative about everything? Why do you spend so much time to, to turn them around? And I said, you see, you know, like as long as they're negative, they are still engaged. The problem is the people who are not, not negative at all. That are, that's the problem, not the people who are negative. Because the negative people, they, you know, they, 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 they do it because they think there could be something better. They still do it because there's still a value in fighting for it, right? That's why they, yeah. they ask those questions. They don't want actively destroy something. They, they, they are, you know, like I always say, like people who are very cynic, they are kind of disappointed uh, idealist, right? So they're, yeah. they're people who really believe into something. That's why they're cynical about it. If you, if, you're, if you don't believe into something, you don't, you're not cynical. Why should you? You just pass on, right? And you do yeah. something else. So, so I, no, I, th- I think you have to take especially you have to take care of those people who who voice their opinion even in a negative way. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I think another big big topic. I mean, now we had we had um the trust, we had the um transparency communication. Um I think another big thing is organizational design and how you set up an organization mm-hmm. in order to allow for um change and um fast information flow, um, and to be dynamic as an uh, organization. What did we do at Trivago? What's your, what's your experience? Did you know from the very beginning how to 
how you wanted to build up an organization. Did you want to have like a super traditional company with somebody at the top and people at the bottom? Yeah, no, that's that's how I the way of how I thought about a company that this is how it looks like, right? So it's like an um, a pyramid, and and you know, like and then there's always responsibilities, and they and then you know, I, my original idea was not to build a different system. You know, my idea is to build the perfect system. So that was my original idea. Okay. So when I started a company, I, I didn't think. Oh, you know, the way of companies are, uh, are built are generally flawed or so, right? I, I didn't think that this is this is uh, generally broken. What I thought is nobody did it good enough, right? So I, <laughs> I wanted to be the, 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 the person who built the perfect system. I also believed in this kind of machine, right? So where you basically, you have a task and then you break it down and you break it down. And just if you do it perfectly and then you have to have the perfect KPIs for everybody, you know, and then you build this, Perfect, flawless, flawless <laughs> machine that is basically creating value, right? So that's how I thought about it in the very beginning. And and it was just like that over time that I thought, okay, no, this is, you never built this perfect machine because this is not how it works. You know, you cannot, because at the end it's people and it's not like just little little wheels in, in a machine, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's a big difference and they don't work like... Um, They don't work like um, like an economic person and always are very kind of, you can calculate what they do, right? No, they just work differently. And it's not that you just pay somebody more and then they are more efficient or whatsoever. That's, yeah. You know, but, 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 but I thought that basically nobody really tried to build the perfect machine and just have to build it perfect enough. So that's, that's definitely my, my, my approach. You know, I, I think it's important, so, so everything that we, we spoke about before, so like the, how to, do you create trust, basically? How do you make sure that the information can flow? Um, how do you make sure that, uh, that people within the organization um, have the, the guts to really try out things and, and you know, and, and try out new things? even more do they have the guts then to stop the things if they don't work, right? So how do you create an organization where this is possible, where, where, where trying out, where, where failing is possible, where, where changing your opinion is possible, where, where changing your perspective is possible? And then and trust is a foundation. So if, and if you agree to trust as a foundation, um, I think it's, it's, it's very, very difficult to do that in a hierarchical system. Why is that in a classic hierarchical system? Mm, different things. So first of all, I think when when you are when you having a position in a company, and that's the position, that's your identity. So you say, okay, you are the head of PR for Spain. So and that's your identity clearly, and it's connected to your identity. You will do everything to keep that position because it's your identity in the, in the company. Because if PR in Spain doesn't work, you know, then you don't have an identity anymore and you don't belong to the, to the organization anymore. And that's your biggest fear. Your biggest fear is not belonging to that organization and being outside. So the, the problem is you will never say, if you are responsible for PR in Spain, you will never say, 
no PR in Spain, maybe not a good idea. <laughs> you know? So, so PR in Spain will never die because you will never say it's a bad idea because it it's equals your identity. So what you will try to do is you will try to basically avoid any information going out of your context that would tell other people PR in Spain doesn't work. And that's way easier to do than really making it work, you know? Like, and there's also reasons why it doesn't work. You know, it's not, it's not that everything has, can work, right? Not everything can work that you, that you start. But you will, of course, you have a high incentive to make everybody think that it works. And you build a castle around you. You build a castle. You build a castle. You build a castle and you, you try to equip the castle with um, responsibilities, with specific people that report to you, you know, and, and that, that do things for you and so on. And, and, you, and, and you start to building um, fences, walls. Fe walls around you, yeah. walls of information, walls of people and so on, walls, walls of resources, mm -hmm. right? And because you're building these castles with all these little, little walls, You know, we, we first first of all, there is of course like cooperation between those castles gets harder and harder. F fluency of information gets harder. Fluency of of people gets harder, and and these castles usually are there forever because nobody will you know because the the, the information that would be necessary would be this castle is not is doesn't make sense that it exists, and this information rarely goes out. And I think that's the reason why so many projects are always started and no, nobody says, okay, this is a bullshit project, we shouldn't do that anymore. Because the person who would be the most equipped to do it, the person who leads, has no incentive to do that. Because he or she is punished yeah, by doing yes, it. Yes, because it's yeah. punished, because you lose, first of all, you lose your identity. You lose what you think is, is yours, right? And, and that's the most important thing. And, and yeah, and you will try to avoid it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, and you will always try to rather go for mediocrity than going for like super high performance or something extraordinary, because the extraordinary would have the risk to lose that identity. Yeah, and that is just too high risk. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so so I think there is also from a psychological standpoint, right? There is a specific level of responsibility where we take the best decisions. But in the moment where our identity is touched, where, our, where, our, where all our security, what we believe in, where that is touched, we don't take good decisions anymore. We take good decisions in between. So we should be engaged. Something ha we have to lose something, right? But it should not be in the way that really I lose you know, what I believe in my, my identity. One of the reasons why I, do, I think that, for example, professional kind of... Um, stockbroking or like professional investors or so, that usually... Uh, there is a is a problem because you know if 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 I'm as an um, as as somebody who's working in an investment company, if my job is highly dependent on like like how good are my investments, I will always go for the more safe ones. I will always there's definitely mm -hmm. a reason uh, why 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 you're taking not the best investments and why why not taking the information uh, in the right way. So it's a it's a different topic, yeah. But 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 generally, I think the moment where where Too much is on the stake. We we take worse decisions, and there's a lot of lot of research about that, and that's happening in a in a company constantly. So that's why I think if you build a safety net for people, it has to be independent from what you do. You know, so you should you should create a safety net for people that is is 
disconnected with the project that you do. And that's why you cannot keep up this, this hierarchy that is just one hierarchy in one direction, because in that hierarchy, identi my identity is my role, my job, and so on, and, and that's it. And that's my connection. So my connection usually to an organization, in a classic organization, is my lead. That's it. Mm -hmm. you know? So my lead, who's, who's at the same time responsible for what I do and responsible, like, responsible for the success of my project, that is the only person that is, has a connection to the company. And I think that's super dangerous. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so I think we should, so, so that's why we said, okay, we want to have this, this person who's basically your, your mentor in the company, the person that you turn to, the person that, that takes responsibility for you as a person should not be the, the same person that is basically leading you from a project perspective, from a responsibility Business business responsibility perspective. And, and you, you should have a strong connection to the company that is completely independent from what you do. Super hard, right? Super hard. It, uh, super hard, but I think it's just very logical. I yeah. think it's it just not, it, I cannot like, you know, it, it's again the, the, the thing that I cannot go back, you know, and unthink it anymore because it doesn't make any sense. So you really need a strong connection to the company that is not uh, depending on, on what, what, what you do. So, And and um and and I think that's what we try to build. So we try to separate basically uh, these these layers, right, and have a safety net for everybody. Um, so so for example, I was responsible for um, for several people on a personal level within the organization, but they were not working in the same time in my team. Mm -hmm. So I was responsible for my team in the way of okay, where do we go? You know, like like inspire them to 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 take up new challenge, to work with them as a team, and so on. And be responsible for them in their role. Be responsible for them in their role. Mm -hmm. You know, but I was also responsible at the same time personally for the individuals, other individuals in the in the in the company for their personal development. And I think that is really like that. That's creating a lot of for me positive momentum because. Um, see, the problem is also when, when I'm, when I'm responsible for my team and I'm personally responsible as well as for what they do, I'm always in a conflict. So I'm always in a huge conflict because, you know, even if a specific person would not, would be under leveraged in my, in the role in my team, I just have a super high incentive to keep that person. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody of us knows that. So you have somebody and you think like, ah, This person could do way more, but I'm so afraid to lose this person because otherwise, you know, I, I might be in deep shit. So, so <laughs> you're not doing it. So you're not yeah. promoting this. I mean, it, it just would... Less likely. It's less likely. It would, like, if, if you're super evolved, you might, then you might do it. If you're super evolved as a leader, you're super connected to the company and so on, you might still do it. I think that's a big ask. But generally, I think you, you will just not do it. So you will just try to keep that person. And that's what I, I saw a lot, you know. So And, and what, what happens with this system that we changed was that, um, that you have somebody who is only responsible for yourself. And this person will, will, will tell you, hey, you know, have you thought taking another position? Because what you do right now, that seems not to be not the right fit. Not the right fit. Have you thought about closing down your project? Because maybe, hey, that doesn't really make sense for you. I would have another project for you. Look at this person. Look, look, at, look in this direction. So 
So I think that um, that this like creates a lot of dynamic within the company, a lot of dynamic to to change around, to take up different roles, to con- constantly, um, yeah, to, to create way more fluidity within the company. But you would always keep this person. So even if you are moving from project to project to project, and that's also a big problem in fluent organizations because basically when you move around, it's really hard to keep up that personal development, right? Because if you have a different boss, basically, and a bit different leader every half a year, I think it's super, super difficult if they, you know, they, they cannot adapt to you, you know, yeah. because this process of development that takes way longer than, than yeah. half a year. Yeah, yeah. So from, from, from a business perspective, it's, it's often very helpful if people move around a lot and get different perspectives and so on and, and new motivation. From a personal development perspective, it's, it's a problem. And that's why I think it's important to, to, to separate these two kind of like structures in mm-hmm. a way. Um, and, uh, and that makes the whole organization more fluent. What happens basically? So, so people then, um, if their connection is stronger to the company and less to, to their project, they are just more likely at least to say, hey, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't work because they know, oh, there's another role maybe where I can develop way faster, where can, where can I do, where I can do more. And, and people at the end, they don't want to do stuff where they see that it's not working. <laughs> you know, yeah. it feels completely awkward. They just stay there, but it fe- doesn't feel good, right? So, they, so, 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 so in, in, in the moment where they get an invitation to do something else, I think that's super helpful. I think it's also what we did with that is to disconnect the way of how you promote people and evaluate people, right? Because that's also important because what's happening in a hierarchy is also, of course, that the, mo- the, the way of how I will evaluate my team is highly dependent on basically myself. So, so I will generally rate people higher that are exactly like me, right? And think about that. And that's what's happening everywhere. So a leader just sitting in, in a team with a leader who's just different than you. And this leader t- uh, basically has, has no visibility on what you're doing. They just can't. They, they don't see it because they have just a different mindset. And you are stuck. <laughs> and you are stuck in this organization, stuck with a leader that doesn't, doesn't see what, what, what you're, where you're good at. Right? And that's why it's so important to, to, this, to take the evaluation, first of all, away from your direct leader who's dealing with you every every day and ideally not only have another person deciding that but have a bunch of people really looking at you and giving you feedback and not only one person yeah so so i think that's also super super important to create to create the sweet system yeah so um the way of of how we designed it was that at the end we said we have to create a system that dies and thrives from within mm-hmm. and that that sounds very weird right so that, that... I, I find it sounds very pathetic because everybody would say yes of course or or not of course but, but yes of course you know but how the fuck are you doing this i mean because it's super complex and i can even share from my experience how we did it it was not easy I, I, I 100% agree. It's, it's not easy. It just, there's no alternative. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not easy. That's, it's just, I think you have to start with a dying. So a lot of people don't like to start with a dying. They're always looking at what things that thrive and they always want to look at the, you know. And it's like when you say you have to start with a failing. You know, you have to start with failing 
you know, feels better and so on. So you have to start with the fact that dying feels better. Yeah. And parts of the company have to be able to die, you know, and otherwise, because if there's nothing dying, there's also no thriving, there's no, there's no growing and so on. So, and, 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 and you have, the, the problem is always when you can, of course, decide there's no dying in my organization. You know, there's only thriving. The problem is that then an organization crystallizes. So it, so it gets more and more rigid, right? And then the, the problem is that, that, there, that one day there comes an external effect. And if you do not allow the organization to, to die and to adapt, the whole, whole organization will break. And that's what's happening, you know? So, or just their value, their value creation will shrink um down i think sometimes yeah. i see organization huge organizations they stay alive because at one time mm -hmm. in history <laughs> they have created something that was really really valuable mm -hmm. and then they stop changing and adapting mm -hmm. but of course this profit that they are still generating from that one idea mm -hmm. is still there so mm -hmm. there is no need yeah to change no need to change no need to change still no need to change right and then all of a sudden they are not profitable anymore or huge competition comes out of the they don't uh, see something around the corner yeah. corner which comes in and they cannot cannot react to it anymore yeah right exactly yeah no but so 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 that's why it's so important to 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 let go right of parts of your organization of of you know of that doesn't always mean and 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 disconnected from the people, because I think a lot of lot of people, because if you do not disconnect it, every decision to let go of parts of the organization means letting go of people. Of people. Mm -hmm. And this is, decision of letting go of people is such so much harder. So that's why it's so important to make people within your organization completely fluent and make it even make people fluent even beyond the borders of your organization. So yeah. I think we discussed that before, right? We yeah. said you have to be able to, like, the ideal corporation would be a corporation that is connected to other corporations and where you can constantly let people go into these other co uh, corporations and get people back. Yeah. That would be extremely efficient. So it's yeah. it's not efficient to create, again, like a castle <laughs> around your organization and say, you know, you don't in. take people out, don't, you know, because these are mine, you know. And I only take top talent in. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. so, so really, you know, and, 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 and this doesn't just doesn't make sense. You no, know? so, so, so it's, it's way more efficient to be, to, to create this fluidity within your organization and outside. And I think it's important to start with letting, letting go, letting people, let, letting, letting, letting projects within the organization die, die and, and make people confident about that. And Making I people confident about saying this doesn't work and don't tell people because you said this doesn't work you are a bad performer yeah I, i think this is so important because i think one thing that you just mentioned was to perceive value creation beyond a role mm -hmm. right to see perceive value creation in in multiple ways and, and that value can be created in very different roles in very different positions um, and that you as a person you do not need to be head of product you know, to be valuable. Mm -hmm. I think that that's one important thing and very hard to digest and very hard to understand. I think for people when you are socialized in a way that, you know, we went to school to 
as you know, like to always uh -huh. progress and you always do something for the future. And then you go to university to have a super high degree and then you, you know, go have a super high degree and then you start as a, in a junior position. And then you, you know, everything in us is a wired in a way that you want this. I mean, even at Trivago, I remember we had people who were saying, I'm missing my career path. Where is my career <laughs> and it's it, and it makes sense because this is what we've trained the whole time, yeah, and then there was Trivago saying, "No, we don't give you a career path, yeah here you have a talent lead, mm -hmm. and people didn't understand, okay, what do I do with a talent lead now and I think it took time at least until they understood the value of a talent lead and how it works yeah and 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 and, and as I said, you know, I think we underinvested into evo people. Letting people evolve and explaining it to people and also giving them the capability on a personal level to digest through that complexity. Yeah. You know? So I, I so I think that was basically probably the, the, the problem that at the end, no, not everybody understood it in, yeah. into into you know to that extent. And and we did not invest enough into it. And that it takes time. And it takes a it lot takes of time. It takes time and patience, also from an organizational perspective, I think from a leadership perspective perspective you know to to give it that go and 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 accept the struggle and the chaos that comes with it and you somehow embrace it and say okay this is all information and we can make the system better but we don't stop the whole thing mm -hmm. because you know it doesn't show a performance within three weeks yeah um i think that was also a big learning because like the first thing that the first reaction is oh my god everybody is uh, in chaos and let's let's just stop it yes i agree i think i think that's i think that's the biggest problem you know and i, and I think it just takes time evolving people takes time and and you cannot see direct results it just just really it really takes a while and until people change their behavior and also until they really then apply it also with other people. And, um, and that's also why you often, you often stop investing into it. And, uh, and I also think that's why you're under investing and why we under invested into evolving people. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think you can always, you can do way more. And I think, I think everybody underestimates the potential, but I think on the other side, then when you, when you really see the results of it, when you see what can happen, when you see how people can change and and then how it can affect the organization, when you, somebody is really able to say, I'm stepping down from my position that I have right now um, I'm because it doesn't make so much sense because um, maybe I made myself not necessary anymore because I organized everything so well that I'm not needed anymore. And then somebody says, okay, so maybe let, let me take another, not, another job somewhere else in the organization. Maybe a job where I lead less people because right now my interest is rather into, you know, building up a new competency or whatsoever. You know, these were the most amazing moments. And, and, and they were happening, right? And, and that's something that you usually would never see like in a normal organization. Nobody mm -hmm. would do that. And, uh, and I, I, I found that really amazing. I think there was also something special about the leadership model that um, I think we realized that people wanted naturally or thought they should be growing into the responsibility lead role, which was a team leader role. And I think with this um, having a talent lead and a knowledge lead, 
Yeah, you gave them the opportunity to think about, do I really want to lead people? And is this something I'm good at? Um, and, and you had an opportunity or an alternative mm. to grow in something. Mm. And that there was not only this one way of building up my career, but there were many different opportunities and saying it has this the same impact or you can create even more value um, if you go also in another direction. And I think that was something that was also very special about it. I, I think that what, what I found really striking was when we, when we started the model, basically we started it and every team lead was also kind of um, uh, a talent lead. So every pro every responsibility lead became a talent lead, right? And and there were no other talent leads. So a talent lead had to be a responsibility lead before. So that's that's how we started, right? Because mm -hmm. you know it had to evolve out of something. But but what I found extremely interesting was that after two years or so, these groups were, you know, going further and further apart. Mm -hmm. So there were people new people coming in who were not have not have been uh, um a lead before and they be, they became new talent leads and others dropped out and said no i don't I, i think i'm not good at being a talent lead and i'm just just a a um a responsibility lead so so these these groups they moved apart more and more right so i think after I think one and a half years or so there were the overlap was maybe 50% and 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 still reducing Mm -hmm. So, and I think then, then you see that actually, you know, the talents are not also not like aligned, you know, it's not that in the moment where you are a very strong uh, leader on a topic, you're not ultimately also good with individual development of, of the people. So it's just two, two separate things. Right. And in this way, I think you can, you can really like, um, like, you know, give people a way broader set of opportunities that they can evolve into. They don't have to evolve into something that they don't want to in, evolve in. And, and you can, of course, like use their talents way better they have. Yeah. And, and I, I think that was really, I, I didn't expect that. So I was really surprised like how these, these two groups moved apart like more and more. Yeah, I think, um, I feel I have uh, two, two hearts beating in my chest with this topic because I also felt that on one side we also took the responsibility from the responsibility leads so from the team leads to care about people and i think this is also a very important part of a lead mm -hmm. to to um have those um people skills which we on the other hand side also trained a lot right mm -hmm. um but what i also think is I think in many companies, you know, you have this situation where people grow in leadership positions because they are the longest in the company. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, we have this person forever. He started as a software engineer. He's like, you know, with us for so and so many years. It's just a natural progression that he should be leading the team now or she should be leading the team now. And it's not about if he or she wants to lead a team mm -hmm. or if um, he or she is talented to lead a team. But it's kind of this kind of natural, mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know, unspoken law that yeah. people who are very long in a company, they need to end up as a head mm. of something. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's why we also we, we had this kind of third bracket as well, right? Which was uh, the knowledge lead, which was probably mm. what, what you would describe right now in this situation. So where yeah. you would say, okay, you, you have experts, people, specialists who, who they, they might not really want to lead a team. They might not even want to jump around, right, from, from one topic to the other because they really want to excel in one field and they really want to develop deeply into that. And and I think that is that's something that um, that that we wanted to give room and we wanted to give it appreciation. The, the, the pro- I think the problem is when the only appreciation that you give to your people is basically by putting them, promoting them into a higher hierarchy role. What do you expect? That's what they then strive for because mm-hmm. they want your appreciation, right? Of course. So they will do everything to get into that role. They will kind of change their behavior. They will train or whatsoever. And they will make you think that they are the right person because that's, that are the people that you give appreciation. So people will always go wherever the appreciation goes. So I think it's imp- super important, you know, that you give also people who are specialists, who have an expertise in something, who want to excel in a specific field, that you give them the opportunity to do that and to give them the appreciation. That, I think that's super, super strong. Yeah, when I, when I, for example, when I say I'm, I'm not, for example, not, not agreeing fully with everything Google does, for example, in their culture, but I think, for example, what, what, what they did really well was appreciation for engineers. Uh, so I, I would say that's probably the strongest point that Google uh, was more or less one of the first companies who, may, who were very, very serious about that and basically said, you know, the, the engineer, the, the developer is in the center of all, everything what we do. And if you're an engineer, you basically can do everything that you want. And, and that's an amazing statement. And that's, of course, that's getting a lot of crea- creativity and a lot of productivity uh, is created through that by, by, by appreciating what an engineer does. Yeah? And, and I think that is, that's also important that you, that you have these specialists and you appreciate them and what they do and you appreciate their value creation and you appreciate that also in a way that you give them maybe even a higher salary. So I think that was also often a discussion at Trivago so, um, or something that we try to explain that it's not ultimately that, that a leader of a team, like a responsibility leader, a classical leader of a team, would earn the most money in a team because there could be a specialist who's just creating way more value, right? And it's not always mm-hmm. a leader who should get more money. Um, and, I, and I think that's something that, um, yeah, I, I think that's very important. Give, like, like if you want people, you cannot expect that people evolve into something that you don't give appreciation. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the, the most important advices is to really check your system on uh, what do you reinforce in your organization and whatnot. Because I feel like a lot of people have understood or, yeah, got the idea of flat hierarchies of empowerment and and they're all for it. But then if you look into their systems, they actually do not reinforce that behavior. They actually reinforce the opposite. And then they wonder why things are not working. And often I hear people saying, I empower them, but, but they're not using it. They want the structure. They, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're like, ah, maybe the system doesn't allow them to, to, you know. Yeah, and you don't support them into taking up responsibility. Yeah. You cannot just create, I mean, sometimes it works, but I would say in, in 
it's really hard to just create a space, space and, not, and not and not help people there, right? And make an, yeah. make an offer to people, make an offer to to evolve them and 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 show them, help them to deal with the complexity. So, so I I, I really think it's not only creating a space. So often I think I think most of the cases the space is not even created correctly. You know, so it's not really a space. You know, people say I empower, but they don't really create a space where people can can evolve. But but I think then it's not only creating the space, but also you know helping people to cope with that uh, complexity. And because otherwise, yeah, they will not they will not take it if they're not used to it, or mm-hmm. if they're not incentivized in any way, or they they don't f- feel it's appreciated. Of course, they will not do it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very interesting. I mean, I hear that so often. I, I heard it like lately in a discussion where somebody said. You know, there is a person who always says, my door is open for everybody. So that's the standard. No? So everybody, you know, I'm, I'm a normal guy. You know, everybody can, can come in and open my door and come to my desk. And then, you know, you ask, okay, how many people have done that? Right. So, so it, you know, it's, it's always a question. It's not only the question what you communicate, but, but check what's really happening. <laughs> yeah. And also you know? if nobody comes in, you know, um, even if your door is wide open, <laughs> then ask yourself why <laughs> nobody comes in. And it's not that the people are too stupid to come in or they don't want empowerment. I mean, I offered them empowerment. They didn't want it, apparently. Um, no, it's just like really checking your system. If if you reinforce that behavior, if you're really welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. But yeah. I think it's a, it's a very interesting. So we had different topics. Now we had, um, just to repeat again, we had transparency. Um, we had trust in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Then we had transparency and communication as something. Then we had organizational design where we said, okay, don't reinforce too much for hierarchies, for castle building. Um, I think everything is um, somehow connected to information flow. And and one other thing that is, or I found quite important at Trivago was to create true learning in an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, how would you describe how did we do that? So I, I think for me, um, for me, it comes down that the main competency of an organization is basically like adaption and 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 more more let's say um you know dealing with information processing information yeah um, and i think that always systems who process information better are superior um and and so it's about like how fast can you learn yeah and and i think what we spoke about the trust the transparency i think that is also all important basically to be able to learn fast to to that information flow as pa- fast as possible and i think what what you want to create is you want to create learning loops so 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 you want to create this kind of rhythm of i i'm i'm fine to try something even if i can fail with it i prepare myself to fail with it in a way that i say like okay I make myself measurable. So what, what, whatever the outcome is, somebody can, can prove me that I'm wrong with it. I think that's very important. Yeah. So like, is your system designed in a way that you can fail? Yeah. And, and, and failing is basically always, okay, are you really trying something new? Because otherwise you're just repeating, you know, you cannot fail with, with repeating basically. Yeah. You will just do the same thing that you did before. So are you doing something new? And 
is there a way that you really look at the output of it? And that's super, super, super difficult. So there's, there's, why is that? Because you have to find really an output that you can measure. It's not always numbers, but you have to, to have to be able to fail with something. Somebody has to be able to prove you wrong. Otherwise, there's no point in doing it, right? Mm -hmm. If there's no chance to fail with something, why should you do it? Because, because you can never prove that it's, it's the right way to do. You don't gain information. If you just do something, you cannot fail. You never gain information from it. So when, when, you're, when your main capability is to process information, don't do things that you cannot fail with. I think that's very important. So you do something, you design a system that you fail with it, you, you measure your outcome or you get feedback in any kind of way. And then basically with this feedback, you're going back and you go into the design process again and you're checking, okay, what, what can I change again to become better? And then you prepare yourself for failing again you measure and so on. So this is, this is for me called like a, I, I call this a learning loop. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that the system basically has to be designed in a way that these learning loops are as quick as possible. So basically you should all, like have as quick as possible learning loops because, because with each and every learning loop, basically you're gaining information, become smart and so on. And basically that is what we try to do. And I think it's also one of the, I think it's also the core, I think, why we have been successful because we were just being able to create a lot of those learning loops. Have we done it everywhere? Have we been always consistent with it? No. You know, I, 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 think, I, think, I think the approach to say, okay, I'm super consistent. It's only happening. I think, I think you should strive for it. But I would also not say that we made it. But I think we still had the approach of saying, okay, like how can, you know, how can we make this a learning loop? And, and I think what's there, very important, of course, if you want to create a super quick learning loop is the whole MVP idea. So, um, so minimum viable product for those people who have not heard of MVP. So creating basically, so when you create a big project, carve out a part of it that is the smallest possible part to fail with. And, and I, I think this process alone is, 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 can be a core competency to really say, okay, like what is the smallest possible unit that I can fail with? And I start with that. Then I create a learning and improve and improve and improve. Um, I mean, when, you, when you're looking at, I don't know, SpaceX, for example, yeah, um, I, I think it's truly amazing. Like, <laughs> like how much they brought down building a rocket to something extremely simplified. Yeah. I mean, I mean, of course, they kind of celebrate themselves for having this kind of rocket, but it's like extremely, extremely simplified rocket. I mean, and they started with something that was, when you're looking at now the spaceship development, they started as something which was even way, way more simple, simple than what they have there right now. So they started with a simple way to build a rocket, and then they basically like iterated around it. And that is just a so much more powerful process than putting i don't know three billion in the in the in the development of one rocket and then this rocket really has to take off and it has to it it has to to be, to be successful and perfect in the first go that is impossible yeah. if you think about it you, you 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 build something so amazingly complex you know and you expect it to be perfect in the first go that alone is is so, so highly inefficient and I think that is, but that is basically how a lot of, 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 of um, processes are designed in the past, right? 
that you were always saying, okay, I have to build something to perfection. And then I test it for the first time. That's, that's incredibly inefficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so bringing something down to the smallest possible unit that you can test, start testing it, then iter- iterating around it. That's, that's really, that's one of my biggest learnings. You know, it's also not something that, that I did right from the very beginning. I think I, w- I went through many, many bad experiences, you know, to come out and say, no, no, no. Like, when I see something right now, project see something right now, what can I even strip down even more? Mm-hmm. What can I strip down to bring it to, 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 a, to something where we can try it out, where we can do something with it, right? What's the p- smallest possible unit? And um, because you will learn in the process. And if you put two components together, which are both complex, and then you try them out, you don't know, okay, what is the dependency between those two components? And it can be the two components of a rocket. It can be the two components of a website or a business model or whatsoever. In the moment we add two components that are complex, you, 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 you have an exponential complexity going on with the third component, exponential complexity, and so mm-hmm. on and so on. With each additional component, with each, each additional if condition, you multiply the, the complexity of, 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 of a unit, right? So, so you know, my, my learning is bringing down those to, to the minimum level and then try them out. And, and I think that's something where, where, you know, I think you have been extremely rigid to, 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 to really like make people aware of that. And, and you make, you must, you must of course have them, you, you must um, um, give them the feeling that they can completely fail with it. Yeah. That failure is also an success. I think this is also what you just um, described with um, SpaceX, that they are celebrating, actually. They are even celebrating each start of a rocket, even if it goes, you know, yeah, even because if it breaks up. Getting it into the air is already amazing. Super excited, yeah, right? Yeah, it's amazing. And, 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 that's, and we should celebrate that already, right? And, and I think this is something we could have done better at Trivago. Of course. To you really know, cel- I, I embrace th- I think, it. I think you can always do better. Right. And probably also even SpaceX can do better to celebrate it because because I think it's truly amazing because every single time these these rockets crash or these rockets explode in the air or whatsoever, every single time you gain information. And and I think that's also what you see, like in the mindset, when you see like a must mindset, you know, it's always OK. It's always that bringing it down to 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 a bare minimum, trying it out and, and you see him. Like in the moment where something crashes, he, he, he does not like say, ah, oh, it was still successful or what, whatsoever. What he's always doing is, okay, this and this and this and this went wrong. We improved this, we improved this, we improved this. So this is, this is a mindset, right? So the mindset is, okay, it's not focusing on failure or success. The mindset is focusing on the information. The information is amazing. We learned a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not it's not that you try to I, I don't know to 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 distract from 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 your failure or something. No, no, no. It's really we learn something. Like really honestly looking at honestly, it. Honestly, honestly saying yeah. we want to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 every single thing that we're doing is is learning and is improving. And and I think an organization can really thrive if you can get this kind of mindset, right? And and um and I think that's why. That's why, um, you know, that, that, that's the problem. If you, if you cannot create this mindset in your organization, you can have the most amazing resources. You can have a lot of money and you can, you, you will never be able to do it. 
You know, because it, you're so inefficient. Because because you're so, just so inefficient. And slow. Yeah, because because everything else today is so fluent. Like capital is so fluent, right? So you have a great idea, people give you money. That's 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 was way more problematic in the past. You, know? we, we we're not so resource dependent. We can outsource things. We can, you know, bring different components together. You don't need to do everything yourself anymore, right? You can build together everything. So so today it's really about like how you bring these things together and how you create a process out of it. That's the differentiating factor. And that's what a lot of people don't understand about these companies. And they say, ah, you know, I don't know when they... I, I was sitting on stages eight years ago and I was saying, I was sitting there with other like automotive companies and I was saying, you know, I would be careful, you know, with with uh, with Tesla. You know, I think there could be something, and um, and and they and and they really move forward. And it's not about where they are, but it's about the speed that they they're going forward. And and even in such a time frame of five, ten years, these organizations were not able to react because the the to 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 change this culture is so it's so hard. It's so goes so deep, you know. So the 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 cuts, the the changes that you have to make, they are they are so hurtful. That that the, only a very few few organizations are at all able to do that. And it's not so much about electric or <laughs> or a combustion engine or whatsoever. It's about the mindset. Yeah. It's a mindset of building of how do you innovate, how do you build something new, how do you iterate, you know, and. Um, and yeah, I, th I think it's uh, and it's happening again and again um, everywhere. Yeah, it's true. And, I, and listening to you, I feel like it's the, it's it's really really hard to get rid of this status mindset, of this castle mindset, and and create spaces where people can spend way more time about the thing instead of their their security, their status, right? So at the moment, I think people are so much focused on their position within an organization than actually about the thing itself, about the information, about like really creating value. And I think that should be should be a big, big insight for organizations that a lot of time is spent on things that do not create value. Yeah, be, be just honest to yourself. You know, yeah. be just honest to yourself. Then if, you, if you're sitting there yourself in an organization, how much do you really think that the things that you are doing are really creating value? You're really creating output. And and how much um, is it is it just to impress people around you? And or to follow the process and, and To whatever. follow, to do the things right in a way that you think they are expected from you or whatsoever. Yeah. And um, and I think that that is what we should should maximize. And I I don't think that in even like an organization like Truvago that we did that to the extent that it could be done. You know. So I think there are still a lot of people thought like ah oh, maybe I'm I'm not doing that because I'm so highly motivated. But it's about it's 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 about the you know it's a gradual increase. Mm -hmm. And even if you are on this level, if you are ten or twenty percent closer to what could be the optimum it's making a huge difference you know it's not only it's not always binary it's not always on or off right it's it's just like okay just a little bit there 
going a little bit in that direction, right? And starting to evolve on this process, right? Starting to evolve on this process, improving and 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 yeah, I I, I think it's really a lot about starting with like getting detached from this illusion of of business and value creation and and starting to do real value creation. Yeah. I think it's really an illusion. I think for a lot of people it's it's a it's a illusion. It's something it's a game. It's a game and they play the, the rules well, they play the, the game well, but but actually it doesn't create but anything. It doesn't create really anything. So and um Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's a maybe that's a sad but good closing so people um can think about that. So thank you very much, Rolf. Thanks I think it was a very interesting um episode. I felt your passion <laughs> about it and how yeah. important it is to you. Um yeah, and we see each other next time to talk about identity. Cool. Cool. Bye bye. Bye.